whistleblower report exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report Vaccine Report. This is Dr. Lee for America here with whistleblower and former Pfizer chief scientific officer, vice president of respiratory uh, Pharmacology Worldwide, Dr. Mike Eden, and we have breaking news to bring from the UK and Costa Rica regarding pushback against the COVID shots and all the damage they're they're causing. And then we want to talk about answering your questions about this latest fear campaign on aerosolized mRNA vaccines. Now we don't have to worry about people who have vaccine hesitancy. We can just spray it from the atmosphere and you're going to be vaccinated against your will without informed consent. Anyway, is it possible? Is it feasible? And is it plausible based on the science? So Dr. Eden, with his career in new drug development, rational safe drug development, and respiratory pharmacology will address those questions. And then we want to talk more about the great bribe that has been implemented to coerce people to take the COVID shots. Bribes to employers, federal contractors, bribes to hospitals, bribes to doctors, your friendly local primary care doctor may not be telling you about the incentive payments that he or she is getting for pushing people to get all these vaccines, not just the mRNA ones, but all the traditional ones as well. And what about the payments to pediatricians for the childhood vaccines? We have a lot to talk about. And then in the closing segment today, we want to address what was the real pandemic of 2020. And we have some interesting thoughts about that as physician and scientists who have connected the dots for the last three years. So you don't want to miss this show. Dr. Yeadon, thank you so much for joining us today. Our other team members are tied up with the conference in Sweden that is going on this uh, past weekend. And we're excited for that. We'll hear more about that next week. But you and I have a lot to talk about. So what's the latest news from the UK with Member of Parliament Andrew Bridgen, who has been a firebrand fighting for justice, particularly for the vaccine injured and for all the people that have died from the COVID shots? He has. So, Dr. Lee, uh, can you hear me just to check that I'm coming Beautiful. through? Beautiful. Great. Yes. That, that's fine. Yes. So, um, so Mr. Andrew 
Bridgen, who's the MP, I think, for Northwest Leicestershire, so in the south of England, has been, uh, uh, I think, a couple of times every week, he he lodges a request for a debate on the floor of the House of Commons. So, like it's like Congress, so House of Commons, and every week uh, it's been it's been denied. Uh, for that to happen a few times isn't that surprising because it's very common for members of Parliament to you know just to try and lay down what's called an adjournment debate, a topic of interest to them or their constituents. What's noteworthy about Andrew Bridgen, he points out that that never have we uh, had a period of excess deaths that has lasted so long what do we mean by excess death it sounds callous isn't every death an excess what we mean statistically is that a number of people in a given population and it's studied by the demographers and the official public health people we know roughly really quite accurately uh, how many people uh, will, will pass in a given period um, and it's quite stable over time. There might be a trend to increase or decrease as the population ages or whatever. But what we have had happen is since the beginning of vaccine rollout in the beginning of 2021, a marked increase. And I think we're running between 10 and 20 percent uh, deaths over the normal, the amounts previously accept, expected. This is a black swan event in terms of probability. It's not chance. It's not noise something is causing a lot of people to die. And what's even worse, as I'd speak as a man of 63 who won't make 30 years, but might make a few, but has children and grandchildren is the people who are dying in excess are not just people of my age and older, but they're, they're children and young people. Uh, something's happening. You know, one doesn't want to speak without the evidence, but God knows I've got a lot of the evidence in my view. Uh, these injections masquerading as vaccines are almost certainly the cause of almost all of the excess. So we heard this week Andrew Bridgen announced that he has finally been granted uh, scheduled October 20th this year, 2023, a debate which I think will last an hour or two. And he he gets to give uh, the his speech and he's going to bring out all of this stuff, the basis of concern for, uh, well, one, the objective information that there are excess deaths. You've got to explain them. You can't just shrug and look away. Uh, and, and they're happening in every advanced country, that it, what we would call the West, that are pretty much heavily vaccinated. And everywhere there are these increased, increased deaths. And what's frightening, ladies and gentlemen, is in many countries, it's 18 months since the bulk of the population had a, a, a last booster. And what that tells us is that there is a long persistent tale of biological effects, adverse biological effects that leads to death. So Andrew's, Andrew Bridgen will give this debate. A government minister has to respond. Uh, and I'm and all my colleagues in Britain are writing to their own representatives, a member of parliament saying, you better show up in the chamber because this is the, the most striking thing that's ever happened, happened to this country, I would say, since World War II in terms of deaths. Um, so that's where we are. Uh, it, our job, I think, in the interim is to make sure people are aware that there is a debate because that will also help us convey the message. There is ex there are excess deaths. It's not this is not noise. Something is causing it. And we're going to play this for all it's worth to get people to look at it and understand what's going on. Absolutely. And, and you know, Andrew Bridgen has just been a dedicated 
and Lonely Warrior in the UK to expose all of the damage of the COVID shots. He has been vilified, demonized, ostracized, attacked, Mm. and received death threats. And he has courageously persisted. And this is a major vindication for his diligence and persistence that he has finally been granted this debate on the floor of parliament. And I think the people of Britain, you're absolutely right, need to be putting pressure on every single member of parliament. If you don't show up to hear this, we're going to vote you out. Yeah, I think any any elected official who now being told that there is a debate in their national legislature about something that's unprecedented, it's never happened before, to do with deaths of their uh, citizens and their constituents, in my view, they should not even be allowed, well, they should not stand. And if they stand, why would you vote for someone like that? Uh, but yeah, Andrew Bridgen is, I don't know the American state, but I, I do know because I've been in contact with Senator Ron Johnson many times. It's equivalent to someone like that. He's the, as far as I know, it's the only person that's managed to you know, hold events that um, uh, you know, memorialize people's deaths that have vaccine injured people. You know, he's he's awake to what's going on. But of course, you won't see very much about this on your national uh, national media. And that's the same. The same is true of Andrew Bridgen. If he appears on national media, it's for the propagandists to tell you something about him that's either irrelevant or a lie. Um, and uh, that that's what they do. Um, so, you know, I've got a lot of time for Andrew. I know some people are very negative because they said he didn't say anything for the first whatever it was. 18 months, two years of the, of, of the, of well, the had, they took event. time for the de- accurate data to be gathered. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give him that. Well, exactly. And also, you know, he has finally decided up with this, I will not put, uh, whereas the other people are still, still taking the bribes or else they're responding to, uh, you know, the campaign of fear by their the people internally. Uh, you probably have something similar in Congress, but in a, the Houses of Parliament, they have for each party someone called a chief whip, which I don't know what where the origin, the origins, I think, is probably to do with fox hunting or something. But a chief whip is someone who goes around to the members of their of parliament in their party and makes sure that they um, persuade you to, to vote in the correct way against or for a motion. And they'll come and lean on your doorway, apparently, and, and obviously um, suggest that you should vote and, in the particular way. And if not, they've got a little black book. They know every uh, peccadillo, every financial impropriety, uh, anything at all, uh, your your affair or something like that. And basically, they'll say, that's a nice marriage you've got. It would be a shame if anything would have happened yes, to that. Yes, yes. That, that, that's that what they do. That goes on in the U.S. Congress. Yeah, that, and the so, Senate and House majority leaders are, are comparable to your yeah, and whip, the chief majority whip. and minority yeah. leaders are That's comparable exactly to it. the whip. But the other thing is, I, I do want to say, you and I understood medical aspects about this experimental shot that yeah. were alarming in 2020. But to expect a legislator, a politician, it, it's going to take them time to get up to speed on on the medical damage because it was hidden and because they don't have a medical background. So no, that's true. I, I think it, it, it's understandable that it took him a little longer to 
understand the enormity of the damage, but yes. thank God he did. And Absolutely. he has been a warrior and we're grateful for that. What about the Costa Rica case? Yeah, no, that's great. I mentioned last week um, that uh, as a result of wonderful coincidence, I was in Costa Rica in 2021 and I bumped into these, these passionate people who thought what's happening is wrong and they were right. So we chatted and they said, look, will you, will you write an affidavit for us? You know, we're going to attempt to bring a case in Costa Rica court. Uh, I thought they won't succeed, but yeah, I'll write it. So I, I wrote them uh, something. They used it to accuse the, um, the Minister of Health, whose name escapes me at the time in Costa Rica. Um, that basically, it was like what you're doing in terms of lockdowns and masks and mass testing of the population, border restrictions and <clears throat> distancing and all this sort of stuff. It's, it's not sound science. The health minister replied to them in a written communication which um, my Costa Rica colleague shared with me and I said that's just lies it's either factually incorrect or lies let me write an additional affidavit to the court and apparently they went back to the court with this evidence and god love them the Costa Rican court uh, either f f caused the guy to to, to resign or embarrassed him in such a way he was found guilty of having misled the court lying to the court he's no longer in post they've got a different person and oh, that's and so, great and that's so that's great um so what's what has happened by the way that person and i think the president if that's the leader apparently are known to be associated with the world economic forum so it's just like klaus schwab said uh, proudly of trudeau in canada that we have penetrated the cabinets they have they've injected place people their own people in the governments of most countries uh, and that's why they're able to do this this sort of stuff anyway the uh, colleagues in costa rica used what i had written uh, and they finally won um, an opportunity i think it's november the 9th whatever i mentioned last week is correct they have a hearing in front of I, if it isn't the supreme court it's one down from that and what they are what they are proposing in our single objective on that day is to um uh, uh, is a request to uh, remove from the market the COVID-19 vaccines because we believe they're, they're well, I, I know as an experienced person from the industry that they're not effective and they're designed to harm you and that's exactly what they've been doing. So uh, we have reason to be optimistic because the uh, senior justice who granted leave to appeal, so this will now be heard, uh, multiple evidence givers, me and others, I'll just mention who that will be in a moment, Apparently, due to a snafu with the documentary filing system, the electronic filing to the court, my colleagues missed the deadline by four hours. Now, if the justice didn't want to hear this case, it was just too embarrassing. At that moment, they'd say, look, through technical reasons, you're out of time. But they didn't do that. They said, despite you being out of time, I grant this appeal. And I think that's tremendous. Um, I've been told that there are significant numbers of people in government in Costa Rica who know what's going on is not right and are not lying down. Uh, and there, that means there are, for example, people in the police recently who are willing to raid the office of the prime minister's wife and arrest several people as well as seize computers. Can you imagine that happening in Britain or in America right now? And the answer is you can't. Um, so I have a little bit of optimism. So what's happened since uh, last week um, we had a few days to, as it were, solidify and expand the grounds of the case. And so I wrote 
two documents uh, just to make sure we were up to date. One I wrote, as it were, an overview of the entire crime from lying to us about you know, a pandemic virus all the way to injecting people with uh, toxic by design so-called vaccines, just so the justice would have a lay description. And then I wrote um, like a four or five page um, report of the evidence uh, the, the evidence I shall give on October, on November the 9th of why I have 32 years experience in rational drug design from big companies and even led a biotech as CEO, why I am sure that the characteristics of these products, which are toxic, could not have arisen by chance. That every single design, what I will say, and I've said it before here, but what we will say in court is that every single design choice made when when you eventually decide what to make it's not random. You have to decide what to make in view of your objectives. Every single design choice has the consequence of uh, increasing the toxicity. So, for example, by using these gene-based platforms at all, you'll prompt the human body to manufacture whatever is encoded in that gene. And if your body manufactures something that's not human, uh, your body will think it's been attacked and it, your immune system will attack and kill every single cell. That, to which that process is happening. How can it be, be anything other than dangerous to inject that into men, women, children? And the answer is it's not. So Well, and how happens. can it be anything other than intent to harm? Yeah. Intent to harm and kill. Absolutely. So that's, it took me a long time to get there, um, but, and, and you would have all heard the, the journey, but bottom line is that, that fear campaigns to uh, get people to comply with various you know ridiculous uh, not correct public health measures ultimately they want to funnel you into a place where you roll your sleeves up you volunteer to be injected uh, and it's those those materials that are they are designed to cause injury uh, uh, to maim and affect fertility and in some people even kill them and what the outcome is is a is a like bad it's like um, Russian roulette um, not everybody will will would die if they were given this particular injection because what happens is an interaction between the designed material and your biology and chance and all of those things together roll up. Some people have no side effects and are saying, you're crazy, I've had four jabs and I'm fine. And other people are weeping over their, their dead 10-year-old or, or they've lost their well, husband. Well, and remember also, yeah. Dr. Eden, that there were huge variations in the quality yeah. and the manufacturing. So some batches were found to have 10,000 times the yeah. mRNA dose that was supposed to be there and other batches just because of poor manufacturing quality had almost no mRNA. So consequently, that's another explanation of why yeah, some people absolutely. did fine and other people died. Yeah, as, there's, and there's so much, as you say, so much irregularity. Uh, I remember saying to people in 2020, uh, the one thing you can be sure of, I said, because I've been in the industry, was um, if Pfizer, et cetera, know how to do anything, it's to manufacture consistent product from first to last. Because yeah. if, you are, if you are prescribed... Lipitor, for example, in Mogadishu or Manchester or Minneapolis, you get the same material, right, within a fraction of a percent. But I, I spoke too soon. And now, of course, we've spoken to people like Headley Reese, who's a manufacturing expert. Um, and he points out that the, you need to research the manufacturing method 
uh, and it takes multiple years with a complex biological product to so yes. control all of the steps that you get to the place I described where every pharmaceutical dose is the same. And because they did it at a rush, and I'm, I'm sure it's deliberate, they ended up with tremendous variability. So some people, as Over 10,000 fold 10, based whatever. on the studies yeah, that have been done. Huge, huge variations. And what that also tells you is you cannot rely on the clinical trial results, which, by the way, were conducted fraudulently and irregularly in terms of breaking the blind in a double-blind trial. But setting aside that, you, you couldn't use that evidence as the as the evidence that this is worth doing because you're not giving people the same material you gave them in the clinical trial. And the reason you're not is because the clinic, the manufacturing had, has never been stabilized to a point where you could rely on what comes out in the glass vial being the same batch to batch to batch. And it is a matter, as you say, of both analytical record uh, and also looking at adverse events, the VAERS, some batch numbers are associated with, I think, a thousand times more uh, a higher frequency of adverse events than others. So it all ties together with deliberately incompetent uh, man manufacture. So, And that ties into what mm -hmm. I wanted you to talk about with the latest fear-mongering news headlines that was spread across at least oh, yeah. our country at the have announced the capability of mm. aerosolized mRNA vaccines and bragging about the fact that people can be vaccinated without any informed consent just by spraying from the atmosphere. That, now, yeah. is this really from your scientific expertise mm -hmm. in the laboratory, in rational drug development? Let's talk about, is this plausible and possible mm -hmm. or is it, more likely another way of controlling people through fear yeah so tell yeah, us no, about I'll, this why do you, you doubt that story yeah so it, first things first whenever we see it whenever we see a story and it's kind of scary um i think i think about what it is that i'm hearing and i'm asking is this technically feasible um and even if it is do i think it's true i tend not to throw things out prematurely because you know what happens if it's real so you know um but i looked at this one and i would say ladies and gentlemen i do not think you can be vaccinated by dropping these materials from an airplane um, if someone sprayed you in the face you know maybe you could do it in, in a subway but you can't just do it by dropping it into the sky for these reasons but first the the the, the active principle this messenger rna that or modified mrna uh, is extremely difficult to make. Uh, these are complex products. They use expensive starting materials and like heavy duty control. And also the machinery that the laboratory processes use to make this, this material is used to making it in small quantities like micrograms, milligrams, or a gram. So for example, a spoon, a, a teaspoon for stirring your tea or coffee would be uh, five milliliters. If you convert that into grams, it'd be roughly five grams. So it's 5,000 micrograms. And I'm talking about a dose which is even smaller than that. So, and that's, that's really, really expensive to make. And I'm not even sure you could make, you couldn't make tons of the stuff, even if you wanted to. There's not enough raw material on the planet uh, to make large quantities. So if you now imagine 
you've got a like a bucket of this, whatever it would be, this material, and you threw it out of the back of an aeroplane, you're going to dilute it in the entire sky. By the time it reaches ground, a number of things would have happened. One, the amount any human being could inhale through their, their own, think of your breath and compare it with the vol volume of the sky over your head. So you're not going to be able to get more than, you know, whatever, I think a trillionth of whatever it is they've thrown out. And toxicity, and you know this, Dr. Lee, toxicity is always and ever, everywhere a question of dose and concentration and duration. So you, you can be exposed to a toxin and it'd be fine if it's below a lower, lower threshold of effect. And so I believe that's what's going to happen. It's going to be below a threshold of effect, even if you could mass manufacture it. Then a few other things. Remember, folks, we were told this stuff was this precious stuff was so unstable. It had to be kept in the minus 70 laboratory uh, uh, freezer. Uh, domestic refrigerator freezer is about minus 20 centigrade. So minus 70 is like I think it's the, the South Pole. And we were told it was so unstable. It has to be kept as cold as the South Pole. You're going to throw it out of the back of an aeroplane and it might take minutes, hours or days to sediment down to a level where human might breathe it. I call BS on that one. And then finally, you may remember these injections uh, are a liquid. They, they are co-formulated with something I'm very unhappy about called lipid nanoparticles. And I remember Dr. Lee and I talked about this, I think, in 2021. Uh, this is to protect the payload which is unstable, and also to fool your cells. It's made of stuff that's very similar to the walls of your cells. And so if it's hidden in there and you inject it, it will glide through the wall of your cells. It's really nasty. But you can't formulate uh, this powder, this material, and throw it out of an aeroplane. Same kind of problems. It's difficult and expensive to make. So I think all of this is a psychological operation designed to frighten people and also it's distracted. I would say people in the, um, the truth community have probably spun their wheels for like 48 hours over this. So that's what I think. Well, I, I think you're absolutely right. Everything you say makes perfect sense scientifically. I don't have your background in the laboratory developing molecules for pharmacology, respiratory pharmacology. But I have a biology and chemistry background and a certain amount of physics in my background. And all of these things you're saying make perfect sense. The dilution factor alone in the sky, in the atmosphere above us, makes that an issue. You said not, there's not enough mRNA in existence to yeah. do this. And you also mentioned in your correspondence to me that it's so, un you talked about the stability and the instability, it's so unstable that anyone who invested the billions of dollars it would take to get that amount of it manufactured is going to just disperse it from an airplane and watch yeah. their investment degrade? No, I don't think no. so. No, I agree. I, I think, I do think, uh, I didn't used to, <laughs> I was a normie, someone who believes the mainstream media and so on, and orthodoxy, as you know, until mm. 2020. Some people had woken up and I've met people who woke up in the 80s or even earlier about, you know, uh, a conspiracy, essentially. Um, but I didn't. And so prior to that time, um, if I was told uh, that there might be something being put in the back of airplanes to make chemtrails or whatever, I, I would pat them on the shoulder and say, I don't think so. But I do think so now. Um, I, I've done enough reading. 
I've heard enough testimonies from people who are around these programs, and I've seen it overhead in Florida, uh, in Southeast England, and then here in, in Nice, in Southern France. You, you can, not all, not all day, every day, but you do see uh, patterns that are not typical of the normal movement of airplanes. Oh, so, no, we've had that yeah. in Tucson, Arizona, over yeah. Southern Arizona, all through um, February and March this year, every Friday. There would wow. be planes crisscrossing the sky like a tic tac toe board. The yeah, patterns exactly in the like sky. that. I've even got my and own pictures. And that's not a contrail. Yeah. That's no. clearly chemical spraying. Now, one of the lawyers on our advisory council actually has a client who is the company that manufactures the sprayers to go wow. in airplanes. So mm -hmm. it's uh -huh. it's well documented. It's this has been happening. going on for years. Well, this this. It concludes the first half of our show today, and it covered the things I wanted to address about the news with the UK Parliament, Costa Rica, and to point out to people this idea of aerosolized mRNA vaccine spraying is likely another fear campaign to scare you. And as you've heard Dr. Yeadon carefully, scientifically document the reasons why it's not likely or plausible or feasible and remember these particles would not remain intact either the lipid nanoparticle or the mrna long enough to get from the sky down to your body with enough to be able to infect the respiratory tract and vaccinate you so please let's set that one aside as yet another fear campaign, the weapon of fear, which we're going to talk more about in the second half. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report vaccine segment. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. We have new resources, how to protect yourself from microwave radiation. And we have our Faith Over Fear coming up this Tuesday on how to protect yourself financially and beware the scams in the financial markets. And also our Truth Project every Wednesday through the end of November. Sign up for our email alerts and please keep your donations coming in to support our work. I work pro bono. I'm not taking any donor money for my payment. And all of, the, all of your donations go to support our legal defense and our public outreach programs. We'll be right back after the break. This message is from the Truth For Health Foundation. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Sigloff, a family medicine physician and a major in the U.S. Army. The following are only my opinions. Service members are being coerced to participate in medical experimentation, with over 7,500 service members being discharged for refusing to participate, many of them losing their retirement and medical benefits. There are allegations that the DOD is committing medical fraud, violating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and violating constitutional rights of service members. Strong men and women stand ready to defend so that you can sleep peacefully through the night. Now we must stand watch over the military so they can sleep peacefully through the night. Please get involved to help protect the military. This message brought to you by the Truth For Health Foundation. For more information, please visit truthforhealth.org. That's truthforhealth.org. That's truthforhealth.org.
Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report with a lot of important news today from Dr. Mike Heaton, former Pfizer Vice President and Chief of Respiratory Pharmacology Worldwide, currently a whistleblower scientist alerting the world about the toxic by design COVID shots. Everything, as you heard in the first half today and other programs, he has documented carefully every single design choice made in the development of these COVID injections was increasing the toxicity. They knew it and they went ahead with it. We urge you, stop getting the boosters and stop risking the damage that is ongoing and Many people are the walking wounded. I'm seeing it in my own practice. We have information in our vaccine injury treatment guide about how you get properly tested. And I want you to go download that and start looking at whether or not you've had the tests that I recommend and am doing in my own patients. And if not, start pushing your doctor to test all of these aspects if you've had the shot and are having any health problems. And now in the second half, we want to talk about the COVID-19 vaccine bribes and incentive payments to physicians, anyone administering the vaccines, the COVID shots and other vaccines, hospitals, employers, and all of this. Dr. Eden, what do you know about that in the UK? And then I'll talk about what's been happening in the U.S., And in the the last part of today's show, you and I want to talk about what was the real pandemic of 2020 and explain what we think happened to people. Yeah. So, yes, certainly. um, So just just to be clear, uh, people know this. I'm a Ph.D. doctor, not a medic, so I don't prescribe uh, drugs and I don't I don't see patients. But I was in the belly of the beast in the pharmaceutical industry for over 30 years. So um, the. Uh, the health system is different in the UK. Um, it's uh, centrally funded. Um, what I do know, though, is that uh, uh, the family doctors generally, uh, I think you would call that uh, PCP, primary care physicians, uh, in the UK are responsible for most of the uh, routine vaccinations. And I think that was also true of the, of the COVID-19 shots. Um, I, I don't know the fine detail, but I do know because it's a matter of scandal, uh, that uh, the practices that might have maybe four to eight physicians uh, are actually private businesses, um, and they consist of, you know, whatever, those doctors and so on. Um, and what I, what I know is that they, they were prepaid from central government large amounts of money uh, on the assumption that they would reach a particular percentage of, of, the, of their medical, of their list of patients being injected so they didn't pay them at that time per patient but they said you know here's your whatever it is hundred thousand dollar bonus provided by date x you've reached 70 percent or whatever the number was and so what that did is it gave the doctors the incentive to uh not not even think about consenting you but just if they could persuade you to get jabbed uh, that they were clawing their way towards their nearest new cut next new car um, and, and then where, when they finally got to the point, which I, we knew they would, 
uh, of saying, right, now it's time for children to line up for their shots, having also told you uh, that children are not at risk from this, in my view, non-existent threat. But they, e e the official position was even that children are not at risk. Why in the world would you uh, bring your six-year-old to be jabbed? But people did, and the doctors were being paid, I think it was £20, probably about 25 bucks for every child they can inject. And here's what I heard. Uh, a friend of mine went to his doctor and they were talking about it. And, and he said, you know, I don't want the jab. And the guy, the physician said, me neither. And they said, well, what about vaccinating children? And the, and the doctor replied in this way. If people, if parents turn up and want their child to be jabbed, I will do it. But will I bring my own children? Hell no. I mean, isn't that just appalling? Um, yeah. Anyway, I was one of the worst things I've heard said that a physician knew these things were not safe or actively dangerous and were no way going to get their children near them, but they would damn well inject your children. Um, isn't that appalling? Um, so but that, that's what I know. There was a central incentivization and then a, later a, a per head uh, bounty, as it were, for, for injecting children. Well, that that is going on in the U.S. in a large measure uh, Warner Mendenhall's law firm has documented huge incentive payments. In fact, has filed have filed lawsuits on this huge incentive payments to from the federal government to employers who have federal contracts to push for over ninety percent vaccination of their employees. And if they do that, then the company, which is the CEOs, of course, get huge financial payments in the millions of dollars. Wow. And that is one clear source of incentive payments. In other Just, lawsuits, no. the hospital hospitals are incentivized by the federal government, Center for Medicaid Services, to pay incentives to the hospitals the more they vaccinate their employees, incentive payments to schools, universities, school boards, for example, are bringing in money to, to the school system put by requiring vaccines mandates to go to school. Same with universities. And now in, in 2023, some of the incentive payments to doctors have been exposed and quantified in many situations of large practice groups or primary care doctors, pediatricians, doctors will be paid $125 extra incentive payment for vaccinated patients. So the more patients that are vaccinated in their practice, the more the incentive payments to the doctors who are running on low over, I mean, very thin margins anyway and having a hard time staying open because of the insurance cutbacks and reimbursements. So these incentive payments have been a windfall profit to the medical practices that are offering the vaccines. Now that includes the traditional childhood vaccines, which have been incentivized for some time and the flu shots that everyone is being pushed to get and has been for years. But it also, the incentive payments that have been documented 
in in official communications from Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, as well as a recent one published in April this year from Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield Medicaid Insurance Company COVID-19 Vaccine Provider Incentive Program. And they list the the bonuses. If 75% of Anthem members are vaccinated in that practice, this is all in their document to the physicians, part of the Anthem, contracted with Anthem, then $125 bonus per vaccinated member. There are lower bonuses if your vaccination rate is lower. So obviously, doctors are being paid, I call it a bribe, to push the vaccines on their patients, and they're not disclosing that to the patient, which goes to my big concern about the ethics of doctors making money on things they're prescribing for their patients and not disclosing to the patients that they are being paid in one way or another to use that product. And I want to distinguish that with the Truth for Health Foundation store. All of the 100% of the profits from the products in truthforhealthstore.com go back to the foundation to support our public charity work to help people who need help with legal defense, who need help with getting to medical resources or attorneys and people who are seeking reliable, balanced, non-incentivized information to help make informed choices. I get no payments, zero, from any of the products that are being sold in the foundation store that's my commitment, and that's been the ethics I've stood for my whole medical career. But that is not what's happening. So all of you listening, when your doctor is pushing you to get vaccines of any kind, including the experimental COVID injections that are not true vaccines, you have to ask yourself the question, is he, look, he or she looking out for my best interest, or is he or she trying to line their pocketbooks. If you have reservations, simply don't get it. And know that all of these flu and and COVID and everything else that we're currently vaccinating people for can be treated if you catch it quickly and report the symptoms and, and, and use the combination early treatment. So I'm really concerned about the degree to which patients are being lied to that they're trusted physicians can no longer be trusted to give proper medical advice without a financial incentive increasing their payments. And that is a big worry about what's happening to the ethics of medical practice. Your comments, Dr. Eden. Okay, yes. Uh, no, I listen carefully to all of that. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I think it's it's very upsetting when you realize that the medical advice that you're about to receive uh, could have uh, financial implications for the physician. I think they should be paid for their work, but they shouldn't be paid for whether or not you get. Imagine if, if their payments were contingent on them prescribing me a particular antibiotic. You'd think that's crazy. They should examine me and say, you know, Dr. Eden, this is what you should do. 
and then maybe there'll be a prescription or not, but they should be paid their fee for their consultation. But on this occasion, they only get the bonus payment if they manage to get that needle in your arm or your child's arm. Now, uh, one, that's a dreadful conflict of interest. And secondly, uh, Dr. Lee, you mentioned a threshold, perhaps 90% of, of patients to be injected. Uh, it may not be a coincidence that uh, people who have uh, understood the biggest, the, uh, the you know, the, whatever, the biggest picture of what's going on here, and I'm afraid I believe this too, know that what is happening is a, a campaign whose end goal is complete control, uh, digital, you know, totalitarian control, uh, but unfortunately accompanied by depopulation. And the number, 90% has been floated in, in numerous conversations that have been reported to us. Um, th there was a lady, Dr. Uh, Rima Leibau, uh, who I think in 2009 gave an interview to um, someone on Alex Jones's show. And she said one of her patients was, I think, related to European royalty. And just a throwaway remark was, we're getting close to the time. What do you mean the time? She said, the great cull. And, and she was told that, you know, they've decided they're going to kill off 90% of us. So 14 years later, here we are, and your physicians are being told, you know, you'll get a, a per head, per capita, but they get a bonus the higher they go with 90% being the objective. I don't think it's a coincidence. These people are, the doctors, I think, are inadvertently involved in, you know, an activity that's going to cause depopulation. But they know perfectly well they're not consenting their patients and their strong desire is to have you roll your sleeve up so they can plunge it in and line their pocketbook. That's despicable. It is despicable. And I am frequently calling out my profession, doctors who knowingly implemented the COVID death protocol, knowing that people were dying at higher rates with remdesivir and ventilators and midazolam and fentanyl and morphine to respiratory compromised people. It was a heinous crime against the vulnerable patients in the hospital and lying to the family members. And, and I hope every doctor and nurse who implemented those protocols stands before God on judgment day, if not in a court in this world, and is condemned for their actions against God's gift of life. It makes me furious. Amen. Now, the other thing that you and I wanted to quickly get to before we wrap up today, and that is America and the world listening to our whistleblower reports, and we thank all of you for your support of our efforts. What was the real pandemic of 2020? Was it really a virus that was spreading to people via respiratory droplets? Or was the pandemic something else entirely and I'm not getting into the debate between people that say viruses don't exist and those who say they do. That's not the point. To me, the point is, I think we were lied to because, and, and the virus was the weapon of fear. I think what we saw as we look back on it, and Dr. Eden and I both have some thoughts on this, me from a practicing physician standpoint, but I think the primary weapon was fear and lies because we were lied to that asymmetric, asymptomatic spread was possible. We were lied to about the reliability of the PCR. 
we were lied to about the fact that a case positive test meant someone was sick. It did not. And we were lied to with diagnoses. Whenever someone hit the emergency room in a U.S. hospital and probably in other countries as well, they were mandated to have this unreliable PCR test. And we have whistleblowers that reported that the PCR tests were run at, at 45 to 48 cycles, which guaranteed an 80 to 85 or 90 percent false positive. Once they got the COVID diagnosis on the false positive test, they were put in a COVID ward, fluid and food was withheld, and they were pushed to the experimental treatment of remdesivir ventilators, and that was a downward death spiral in the hospitals. And all of that created more fear, isolation, fear, and shutting off communication. And then all of that fear and the high deaths was used to drive people to the intentionally, by design, harmful COVID shot. That's my analysis mm. as a practicing physician trying to rescue people in the hospital and trying to help people get early treatment. So what are your thoughts about yeah. all of this, Dr. Eden? Uh, and we uh, have a few minutes to wrap up. So I'll okay. ask you to summarize your thoughts. And then we want people to think about the weapon of fear as we lead into the fact that they've already announced another, I call it pandemic, is coming this fall. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I could speak for a long time, but just to keep it brief, uh, the the epidemiological analysis that is looking at uh, all-cause mortality, if there really is a novel, spreading, lethal uh, uh, agent in the environment, which is what WHO told us there was, they called a pandemic, if that had been there, there would have been more deaths, and there were not, except there were a couple of locations, and we can touch on that, a part of New York, New York City itself, had an unusual profile, uh, and so did northern Italy. Um, but with those exceptions, with the exception of those, there was nothing anywhere. And I think, regardless of one's view as to whether that viruses exist or not, the question is, was there one present? And the, the answer is, there's no evidence for it whatsoever. Because if it was there, you'd see it reflected ultimately in the elderly and sick would have died in greater numbers. That did not happen. So I, I think you're right. Um, they lied and everything, every one of the main um, you know, component parts of the narrative from masking, asymptomatic transmission and so on, including the presence in the population of this novel nasty virus. I think all of it was a lie. Uh, it was 24 seven misattribution of causes of illness and death through the unreliable PCR test. More, more deaths on the TV all the time. My word, of course, it's going to make you chronically anxious. And what we know, and you'll know this, is that the most potent cause um, of, of, of poor health, including and up to death, actually, is, is chronic fear. It, if, you, if, you, if you have animals, pets that are miserable and badly treated, they tend to pine away and die. Well, you know what? Humans aren't any different. So I, I think it's a campaign of fear. The goal was ultimately to strip you of your wealth and assets and get you to roll your sleeves up so you can be injected with these serums that were designed to hurt and kill you. And I think they're going to do it again. And so the fear is the virus, not. So when they tell you about the next threat, threat that won't be true either, in my opinion. They're just liars. 
Well, and I actually, Dr. Eden, we can talk more about this um, next week after you've had a chance to read some of the articles that I've mm. sent you. But what, what I look at, when I look at the um, incredible medical scientific data going back 60 years on the bodily damage from ionizing radiation, non-ionizing radiation, which is electromagnetic radiation, including microwaves, and I look at the classes of damage from the COVID illness, COVID shots, diabetes, autoimmune disorders, all host of things, hemorrhagic fevers, they all cause the same six classes of damage on the body. And I think it's actually very, very easy for those in control of the telecom communications in different countries to simply alter the frequencies and duration of mm. all of these new high intensity 5G transmitter arrays yeah. that have gone in around the world. I have one point I want to make, if I may, just before we close. Imagine you are perpetrator of this global crime. There's no question there's been a global crime. Would you uh, be uh, okay to have as part of the, as it were, the workings of your crime, a, 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 um, a transmissible particle that may or may not move between people, may or may not make them sick and could move or not between continents, could burn out or be worse. You know, would you accept that? And the answer is you wouldn't. You would want things that you have very you tight control, very tight control over. And that's yep. why, you know, on every level, you eventually get to the point that they're lying to you and what they're saying is happening is not what's happening. It's something else. And they something they can control because the malignant right. narcissist always the weapon is control. They want to control people and they will control you through fear and lies and deception. So America Pay attention. We're trying to bring you each week in the Whistleblower Report, truth, hope, and solutions against the lies and deception and fear-mongering. Join us again next week on the Vaccine Report with Dr. Eden and the rest of our team back with us. This is Dr. Lee for America. Go to truthforhealth.org and sign up for our email alerts. Be part of our crusade to bring truth and help to everyone. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, remember, speak up, stand up, and stand against tyranny and evil. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Don't be silent. <laughs>